All right. I've never done a show at zero gravity, so I'm pretty excited about sitting in this chair. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast, the Backyard at Jeff's podcast edition. Everybody that's always wanted us to do another Backyard podcast, here you go. A little impromptu one. Happy 40th birthday, Jeff Belanger. Hey! Uh, I appreciate it. That's, uh, that's a weird number. Now, do you, do you feel every ounce of that 40? Do you feel like you're on the downside of your life? Or? No, man. I'm actually I'm in the best shape of my life. I've been working out a lot. and He's uh, got tight calves, man. Tight calves. <laughs> Thanks for noticing, Rob. All right. And, uh, you know, no, man, I feel good. But, yeah, the, the number itself is weird. That's interesting, because I'm four years younger, and I feel like shit. <laughs> so, by the way, that's the best part about these backyard podcasts. We can say whatever we want. Which I got the feeling that Rob was going to do that anyway. Yeah. Huh? And for the record, we, we're, we're like seven hours in. Right. So, well, you are. We showed up late. So, yeah, but at least several hours into... Uh, Definitely several beers. Many yeah. beers. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's cool, man. And, uh, we were talking earlier about how long ago we met. We think it was 2005 or six. Six. So we started the show in January of 2006, and I think we met you that spring. Okay. And yeah, so 2006, my gosh, you know, eight years, that's... I dropped most friends well before then. Oh, yeah, so. sure, totally, no, I get it. But yeah, so here we are, my backyard, starry night, campfire, like, this is perfect, isn't it? Yeah. And, I, and we're pretty we're pretty loaded. We are, that's the best part about <laughs> it. That will make for the, uh, this is what's going to earn us a Marconi Award, even though it may never reach actual terrestrial airways. Right. We're going to win a Marconi. I went, I went Marconi Beach. I've never been there. It's nice. Like, I think it's named after what, what was Marconi's first name? Was it, uh, the guy that invented radio? Edwards? Yeah. Or, no, he was Italian, so it was something Italian. I believe Marconi, Marconi plays the mamba. <laughs> well, listen anyway, to the radio. Don't you remember? Anyway, you know what's funny is I, I, I recently was researching the differences, and this is like total nerd talk, but Moniz might be alright with it. Uh, this is. Uh, <laughs> I was researching the differences between Van de Graaff generators and Tesla coils. Yeah. And the difference between, uh, you know, the current electricity and the static electricity. Van de Graaff is static. Tesla coil? Yeah. So when you make a Tesla coil, to break it down for us morons, you're directing one stream of energy in one direction, hence the lightning bolts. Yeah. But when you're the single bolt, I mean, and then when you're running a Van de Graaff generator, you're charging up the static electricity in the air, and that's why you see these little, many arms of light branching off from it. So, the reason why I bring this up is because, you know, we were called Spooky South Coast because of the South Coast of Massachusetts, and the first Van de Graaff generator was built in Dartmouth at Round Hill. That's the same Van de Graaff generator that is now in the Museum of Science in Boston. So, that was originally in Dartmouth, bringing in all kinds of weird activity, including huge UFO flaps, which happen frequently. Have there been a lot of UFO flaps in your neck of the woods over the years? You know, in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which isn't far from here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over the state line there, and, and it's, uh, uh, there have been a few dating back to uh, God, Joe Ferrier. Yep. God rest his soul. Um, you know, in the 1960. <coughs> we can bleep that out, right? Yes. So, uh, yeah, 1960s. You're superhuman. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> just got texted. So, um, yeah, no, I get this uh, amazing group of photos of this sh- uh, cigar-shaped craft that was moving over the, uh, the Woonsocket area. And um, 
otherwise, you know, aside from the drone I just got, uh, I haven't heard too many. Well, we're going to start to hear something about that, the way those were going earlier. Uh, to me, I, th- I saw it, and I it was me like, well, there'll be Chinese lantern reports. Like we yeah. here with UFOs. Uh, it's it's strange how, you know, depending on what your definition is of the Bridgewater Triangle, you can kind of expand that out and extrapolate that out. I know you've done a lot of research on other triangles. You wrote a book about the Bermuda Triangle, right? Yeah. Does that same thing happen, or is it a very much set parameter? Yeah, I think what happens is, you know, and it's really, this is the way Lauren Coleman explained it years ago, you know, where he talked about you, 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 people like us, we become magnets for these stories, you know. People email us, they call us, they contact us soon after these things happen because we have a reputation for people, you know, being people who chronicle it, who write it down and talk about it. And so, um, you know, it starts in your head. You know, you're just like, boy, I seem to be getting a lot of reports from this one area, you know, or this one town or whatever. And, and it's it's almost like you're looking at the map on the wall and, and putting pins in it in your head. And you go, gee, more come from this area than that area. And then you start, you know, saying like, well, that's that's a gut feeling I have. So you start writing it down and you start noticing, no, it's more than a gut feeling. There's data to support this. I have more reports in one town than another. And areas like the Bermuda Triangle or the Bridgewater Triangle or the Bennington Triangle, you know, get born. I mean, the more that we hear about this and the more we go, I mean, you can pretty much look at a map, point to a town, and it may take you a little while, but you're going to come up with some sort of paranormal story. It doesn't yeah. have to be a ghost, it doesn't have to be a cryptid, it doesn't have to be UFO sightings, but there'll be some sort of story that makes you kind of think, all right, is, did this happen? And if it did happen, here, why? Yeah, it's one of those things where you... you uh, and, and part of the problem, too, is, is the researchers themselves that are looking into this tend to be from these areas, mm. you know? And so when you live in a town, all of a sudden everyone in your town knows you do this and they start telling you about your stuff and they say, gee, there's more in my town than any other town. That's not necessarily so. That's just where your, you know, your network works best. So right. um, I think there's there's a bias, you know, a, a researcher bias to some of that stuff when it comes to, you know, picking a location. But there are patterns, you know, we see it. We, you, and we can't help it. We're humans. We want to put everything into a box. We want to categorize every experience we have, especially mm-hmm. paranormal ones, you know. This is a UFO. This is a ghost. This is a demon. This is a, you know, cryptid or whatever. And at the end of the day, the only thing that really matters is what the person went through. You know, whoever had that experience and went, oh, man, this, to me, I, I touched the other side. It's this. And that's, that's the only opinion that matters. The rest of us, we can just guess or speculate. What I find interesting is that when you look at the way people tell the story of a paranormal encounter, uh, it's almost like you know, we see the difference between the, the researchers who are out there doing this all the time, and they say, oh, I've had very few paranormal experiences. But then somebody who isn't a researcher will come back and say, oh, my entire life, all this weird shit has happened to me. And I'm wondering almost if like part of the reason is like if you or I drive to uh, a bad neighborhood and an unsavory character walks by us and happens to turn and look at us and keeps on walking, well, in our mind, and when we retell that story, this guy was ready to jump us. This guy was ready to carjack us, whatever. That's the way that we're going to remember. We're going to remember it as the worst possible case scenario. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking that we're seeing more of these stories popping up because people are willing to come out and say, yeah, I got the shit scared out of me. And so... That's why the paranormal is on an influx. Not because there's more teams, not because there's more 
uh, you know, there's more research being done into it, but I think it's on an increase because the people who normally wouldn't want to talk about it are now no longer afraid to admit, yeah, it happened and I was scared. Yeah, there's, I think there's something to that, you know, especially ever since, you know, the internet age has taken over where you, you, you can search for whatever crazy experience you're talking about and find a similar story. And you say, wow, this person went through that too. And when it comes to the paranormal, you say, gee, I'm not alone. And not only am I, not only is there one or two others, there's maybe dozens of others, you know, when you start reading these online accounts or, or listening to interviews and so on. So, you know, we live in an age where we're, we're out of the closet a lot more than we used to be, right. you know, and, um, and yeah, that's, that's something to do with it. But, but the, the subject, we live in a funny time, you know, like everything is so explainable. We've got so much interconnectivity between smartphones and internet and everything else, but we still need this thing. We need that. We need this mystery and, and ghosts, you know, fulfill that enigma for millions of people. You know, that's why they watch the television shows and buy the books and listen to the podcasts and the radio shows. You know, I, I think, like, there's this, we need this. We need this in our lives. You know, we need the sense of, you know, considering how much else has been explained, we still need a few mysteries. We need, yeah, we need something that will make us feel like there's something that we can't master. You know what it is, too? Like, something like that reminds you of your place in the universe. You know, we're, we're small, it is big. You know, and uh, and sometimes you need that. You need to be knocked down to that basic level. But the more that people are starting to gain an interest in it, I think our definition of it and our our attempted explanation of it differs. You know, when you live in a society when uh, the average person who watches the Sci-Fi Channel can tell you exactly what an EMF detector does, uh, basically what you're doing that is you're creating a lot of armchair experts in something. And that will change the definition of what it is you're dealing with. I, I really think that we're, as researchers, we're feeding into whatever the definition of the paranormal is as much as we're trying to discover it. You know, we're kind of redefining it and reshaping it every time we take another leap toward it. But I think that also having more, I guess you could use the term layman, although nobody's really not a layman, uh, but the more laymen that are involved, the more that's going to change the definition of what it is we're looking for. Yeah, you know, I think, to me, the paranormal uh, is always a reflection of society, and society is a reflection of the paranormal. And it, it's this uh, spiraling thing that happens, you know, popular culture, all of that stuff uh, plays a role in it, you know, because at the end of the day, when you study the paranormal, whether you're talking about ghosts or monsters or UFOs or otherwise, it's, it's always a study of people. Us living folks, you know, who have been, you know, writing our own tales for thousands and thousands of years, and, and, and that's that's what it comes down to, you know. There could be a million UFOs out in space, but none of, if none of us witness them, they don't matter. Right. You know, it's it, they're irrelevant. They just are, you know, just this whatever, this thing far away that doesn't matter. But as soon as a human gets involved, you know, a human that others can relate to, suddenly it becomes important. I wonder if this makes any sense. We're really loaded. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I was like, that's it, pretty it good. That sounded good, but I'm like, that man, sounded real good. I'm like, man, that sounds good, but I don't know because I'm not a good judge right now. No, you've got it Dude, down. That was like, awesome. Yeah, you're, <laughs> the, you were coherent enough. That basically, what's happening cool. is you're giving very coherent answers to questions that make no fucking sense because I'm asking them. <laughs> right. I guess. So it it it's almost like you know. Uh, 
it's like Jeopardy. You know, start with the answer and then work your way back to the question. But the funny thing is, like, you know, this is the stuff, you know, we can joke around about it, we can talk about it, whatever. Like, this really is the thing that keeps me up at night. You know, it's the thing that you walk around all day long doing other things, you know, like, what am I going to have for dinner? And what does this all mean? You know, right. and, and I think the the life, right, your, your whole job, being born all the way to when you die, is to live and grow and explore things, you know, and ask questions. Because as soon as you stop doing that, you're as good as dead, even if you're still breathing. Do you so. feel like, though, that there's a, a definite differential between those who believe and the way they perceive their everyday life and those who don't believe in the way they live their everyday life? Yeah, I think, but you could go even to, to the point of saying, like, spiritual people, you know? Spiritual belie people believe there's more to this, whether you're talking about a religion or believe in ghosts or spirits or whatever. And non-spiritual people, you know, it's a... Uh, I gotta believe your day to day is a little tougher. You know, you, you think this is it, and, and it's just a, a random, you know, collection of, of chance and experiences, and I don't know, man. Um, so, you should send me an email. <laughs> we will. <laughs> what is that, Rob? What, what, what exactly? No, we work in the same company. Oh. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, Rob, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody? Say hi. Hi. The, uh, I'm Rob. I live Rob. next to Jeff. <laughs> we have apple trees together. Yes, we do. Also, yes, one of the original members of 30 Odd Metal. Yes, it is true. People remember you as one of the original Oddballs. That's right, man. Original Oddball. Four, four years now? Five years. Four years. I still remember where I was when you first called me and said that you had the idea for 30 Odd Minutes. I was in a Walmart. <laughs> So right from the very start, I was around the people, you know, and I knew, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking around at this Walmart, looking at the common folk and saying, yes, they need this. They need, they need to take a step down a little bit and how they look at the paranormal and they need to have a little bit, no, that's not an we offense. We didn't step down, we jumped. No, that's not, that's not an offense. That's yeah, saying yeah. that you're able to, to bring it down to a level where, you know, where everybody who watches these shows thinks that they're an armchair investigator because they know the difference between EMF and EVP, right. you're bringing it back to the folks who are just like, okay, what is an EVP? You know, and, and I just knew that if anybody could kind of take it down to a, a more mass appeal level, it would be you. It's, you know, what happened, a big part of it was so many people back then, and you remember, man, you've been doing this for years and years, there was a time when Spooky South Coast was just getting started where there was only like four, five, maybe six games in town. Yeah. And and that was it. And and from my perspective, if you had a new book or something to talk about, it's pretty easy. You just tried to get yourself on those six programs. You sure. Know? And uh, Spooky South Coast was one. And, of course, uh, you know, Coast to Coast AM, that's the one you always wanted to get on. And, and uh, you know, Darkness Radio's been going a long time. And, yeah. Uh, Ron, Ron Kolick doing his yeah, show. That's He's right. one of the few to actually be on, on uh, radio before, like right? Dave and, and, and Luke and Yep. So, no, like, you know, so there was a handful. And you of course, had, our bell. Well, our bell was already right coast to coast. So, but yeah, it, you know, you, 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 get in a, you get a relationship with these folks and, you know, you're good to go. But now it's exploded, man. And, and so when I was like, boy, but I, I do like the idea of having a, a you know, a regular outlet. Besides just print, you know, and um, and so the I think the technology caught up, where I was like, wait, we can do this. We can have all these interesting people. We get to meet all over the world and 
have them on and, and talk in the studio and do something that's really different. And then it's just evolved from there. We just, hey, you know, we have fun. And as soon as it's not fun, we, we won't do it anymore. Well, I think that the, you know, the fun is kind of what you make of it. And, and we always, like we said right from the beginning, when we first started doing Spooky South Coast, the newspaper did a story and they asked us, you know, what is your, how do you plan, what's the tone going to be of this program? And we said then, if we take ourselves too seriously, then nobody's going to believe us. And if we don't take ourselves seriously enough, nobody's going to believe us. So you got to find that happy yeah. medium. Totally. And I think that you've just always had that. And, you know, you you believe that people believe. And you're, you will never tell anybody that they're wrong for believing in that. And I think that that's what's lost in a lot of folks. Yeah, you know, it, it comes down to... It, one of the, when I give a talk now, especially around my like Halloween programs, um, you know, I, I often start by telling people like, "Hey, if you came here thinking like I'm going to show you smoking gun proof of life after death or anything else, boy, I wish I could do it, but I can't." And then I say, "But there's other things I can't show you either. I can't prove to you that love is real and exists. Right. I can't prove to you that humor exists. I can't prove to you that fear exists or pain." I can't prove any of those things to you. Yet those are all emotions and feelings every one of us has had. You know, being afraid, being loved, being happy, being sad, being, you know, scared and in pain. And and I said, I can't prove any of that stuff, but we all kind of agree on it. But why does this why do we have so much trouble with this thing, this paranormal thing? And it's tricky, you know, and when and even I, a guy who believes in this stuff and, and has had experiences Sometimes you meet someone it's just like, yes, well, this is what happens when you die. You go to this place, and then you take a number, and then, you know, when your number's picked, 36, you do this, you do that, and blah, 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 and you come back, and you reincarnate, and this, and, and I'm like, what? Really? That's so specific. How, how could that be, you know? How could you have that one? How do you know the answer? Yeah, yeah right. How do you know the answer? That's what it always comes down to. And, uh, man, I don't know. I just think that um, to not ask the question is the real sin. You know, to just sit there and just cruise through and who cares? That's the that's the only travesty. I've changed my definition of ghost when people ask quite a bit over the years. Um, and now, the, like along the lines of what you said, the basic explanation I use is that a ghost is an emotion. We talk about how it is a uh, psychological imprint on a location, on a situation, and what does that? Emotion. Right. So, and I think that when I start to explain to people in that regard, then it kind of turns the light on for them. Beautiful. Yeah, this is more firewood. I'll go grab some. Cool. It's near the back. Moni is taking the fire challenge live. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, back in the garage. The light's on. We will not. We already grilled burgers before this started, so there will not be any grill fires like there was the last time we did a backyard podcast. There's been a few. Yeah, we've been grilling for hours. Good God, man. This is, uh, this is cool. This is how we should do all live radio. It, it does, uh, it does make for a better experience for us. I don't know how much <laughs> the audience true. enjoys it, but. I know. Those BSM studios just aren't the same. But it was funny, because when we did our backyard one, you know, it was because we got so wrapped up in the conversation that we lost track of what was going on around us. Uh, and we, we really took that opportunity to kind of peel back the layers because we were still new to that. You know, we were only like six months in. And we wanted something that would be different and unique. And also, you know, we didn't want people to forget about us if we weren't on the air for 14 days. And we decided that when we sat down around the table, we were just weren't going to have any filter. 
we told our entire stories, how they relate to the paranormal. That's how we found out about Moniz and how he grew up. And, and we even got Matt Costa to admit that he believes a little bit. <laughs> so you need. Yeah, so, you know, and that's why I think that if more of it could happen like this, if more discussion could happen like this, then a lot of people would find the answers they were looking for without even having to step into a haunted location. But that being said, we still have nine tickets left for the live trips <laughs> event in Edivale, USA, August 30th. And Matt, jam one under there. We're building a better fire. One under there. Yeah. So, Tim. Yes, I'm listening. I'm listening. All the years of doing this, do you think you're a bigger believer now or a bigger skeptic? I'm probably more of a bigger believer because I believe in it based on the uh, idea that how can it not be? That was kind of the way that I approached it. Like, hey, we don't have... There's, we, we can't pigeonhole everything. And how can this stuff not be real if this many people have experiences all the time? Uh, but then the more that I went out and got my own experiences, the more I became ardently convinced that it was legit. And I know that with you, you haven't, you know, for as long as you've been doing it, you've had very few paranormal experiences. And to me, that legitimizes the whole thing. You know, if they happened every time, I'd be, I'd be like, well, I, right. I, I, that's crazy, you know. But, but the fact that there's so few and far between, to me, when they happen, I'm like, whoa, this is the real thing because it's as weird as the last time. And, you know, um, so I believe I, I get some people are more sensitive to it than others, you know. Sure, like, yeah. that's true, true, but, but I don't know, Tim. Do you think like I don't today? A lot of people tell me this, stories. and I appreciate it. it's really cool. It's great that people are just like, oh, you believe this? I'm going to trust you with my story, and I get that it's it's a it's a significant thing. But at the same time, you know, sometimes people tell you stuff, and it's so out there. You're just in in your head. I mean, I nod because like I don't want to start a big confrontation, and right. you know. But boy, in your head, you're going. Whoa! How'd you get there? You know, really, all that, you know, and um, and and but you also say like, well, I don't really know, I wasn't there, but they they want. I feel like some people want you to believe. Mm-hmm. I, I need you to believe, and then I'll be okay. And I'm like, well, I can't give you that. You know, I can I can listen and I can nod and say, well, maybe, but believe that's a whole other thing. I felt the same way at first, and then I realized that belief is different for me than it is for somebody else. Of course. When someone else can believe with all of their heart that God exists, and I can't necessarily say that for sure in my own mind, you know, that's a pretty huge differential. Yeah. So that led me to believe that, okay, maybe what they are willing to extend their belief to is not the same as what I am. You know, so when somebody tells me they have an angel that follows them around, I'm like, "Ah, angels, come on. Yeah. But you know, it, it's all with your own perception. It's all how you perceive it. So their angel might be my ghost. You know, so I really can't say that they're wrong or that they're beyond the beyond that I'm willing to accept. Here's what I like living next door to Rob. You know, when I first moved in, you know, we, uh, you know, we talked about this stuff and I told him about what I did and no secrets or anything. And and Rob was interested. You know, like we went on a ghost hunt once to a uh, on a pole dancing studio. Awesome. He was very quick to. To, to respond and say, I will help with this investigation. Very quick to debunk it, but, you know, we still let it go on anyway. Cause right, yeah, be, you don't want to give those secrets away. want to be thorough, but, um, <laughs> so we, uh, but, you know, like, he's an analytical guy, but then, if, you know, you got your own stories, Rob. Remember, you, you told me, you're like, you know what, my grandma died, and, you know, this, oh, yeah. this thing happened, and suddenly it just goes from, 
Ghost stories around a campfire to you know, something deeply personal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Tell them what happened. Well, uh, it was uh, probably two or three year gap between uh, when the last time I saw my grandmother and, you know, she took a turn for the worse and she started getting really sick. And by the time I got up there, she was pretty skinny, you know, the, you know, she was dying, basically. And she was not responsive at all. And I, I got, I said goodbye and all that. And, but she, but it was like talking to someone that wasn't there, but I could kind of know, I kind of knew she was. Mm-hmm. And then I went home. Um, after that, it was about a, you know a two or three hour trip, and I got a call a day later. Actually, before I got the call, I um, had a feeling that night, and I sat up in my bed. Kind of felt like somebody was pulling me up, and, like uh, by my arms, you know, pulling me up by our, to the sitting position, and I said, "It's okay, Grandma, you can go." Because I, you know, I saw her a week before, and she wasn't looking too good. And my father called me the next day and at work. I was at work, and he told me that she passed away the night before, just about the time when I had this weird feeling, dream, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, yeah, that was uh, very interesting, and I totally believe it was real. And that's the thing. That's that's all that matters. You know, when, when like a skeptic would be like, well, you're in mourning or you're, you're overtired or you're this or that, but the skeptic wasn't there. The, the person who, exactly. you know, says like, well, you know, there's a million things that could have been, but when you know something to be true, that's all that matters. You know, you, you know, like I could stick a needle in Matt's arm and you could say, no, nah, it doesn't really hurt. You know, I could stick a needle in your arm, Tim, and you could be like, Whoa, you know, screaming out loud. You're both right. At the right. end of the day, for Matt, it's really not a big deal. For you, it's huge. You don't. You it's know. all in your own perception. Yeah, of it. that's right. And 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 both are right. That's why when when people will email me before purchasing a Legend Trips ticket, and they'll say, "What do I need to bring with me? You know, I don't have any equipment. What do I need to have?" That's why I tell them. I said, "Just bring yourself. Bring an open mind, and be willing to accept that things might happen to you that you're not." used to having happen. And I'm not trying to put the idea in their head and get them into the mode where I'm going to have a paranormal experience. I'm just trying to say, if you come in with that negative approach from the start of nothing's going to happen to me, then you're shutting yourself down too much for the things that could. We, we, had, we did that uh, event at the Houghton Mansion. You're in my head. The, the lawyer? Yeah, there's an attorney there who was, uh, was kind of dragged by his wife. But um, was just like, okay, I'll play along, and, and he was cool, nice guy. Like I'm, I'm right. not, I'm not knocking him at all because he was respectful the whole night. Like he, we're talking, he actually had the tweet elbow patch. Though. He did yeah, have the tweet elbow. But I mean, he said right up front, like I don't believe in this stuff. It's just bunk, you know, whatever. But I'm here for my wife, and but he was fine, totally respectful, which is all you ask. Like, hey, play along, whatever. And then that last group when we're down in the basement, and uh, we hear someone walking in the far back of the, the basement. And I said, oh, geez, you know, it's time to go. We're going to head upstairs. Who, who's back there? I don't know. It must be someone from our group. And I walk back to the far end, and I just think, folks, there's nobody here at all. And the attorney goes, shut up. You're kidding me. You know? And I said, look, 
you know, here's the other thing. There's no other way to that basement, that part of the basement, that to walk right through where we were. Right, There's right. no other entrance or exit. You would have had to literally walk by us. There's nowhere to go. And so I said, look, come look for yourself. I said, there's, I can't promise there's life after death or anything else, but I can tell you that all six of us heard someone walking back here. I walked back here to tell that person, hey, it's time to head upstairs, and there's no one here. And you can verify it, and you know no one's, like, played any tricks on you. You were here. And he's just like, whoa, I got stuff to think about, you know? And you love, I love that. It's just like, hey, the, the world just suddenly became more complex than you thought it was this morning. And, and that's what these experiences, whether it's a UFO or a cryptid or a ghost or whatever, that's what these experiences give you, you know, is that, that perspective that, hey, you don't know everything, not even close. So keep asking. Strangely enough, we have not seen that gentleman back. No, not yet. I think you got the answer he was looking for, or wasn't looking for in that case. Well, his wife had an experience up on uh, Winter's Room. His wife, I think, left more terrified than he was. And he was a believer. She she was a believer. You know, into a a type of fit. And it was um, scary. And I watched his eyes. (laughs) I watched his eyes, you know, all like. What is happening to my wife? Sheer panic, terror, you know, that was real and palpable to him. And you could see the actual concern. So that night did change his life. Yeah. It sure did. I mean, out of, well, first of all, I was there with her when she first started to, I don't remember, I know that I was on the second floor, but I was kind of in the, the, the back area for most of the night in the Masonic Lodge, but the first, she was in my first group, and we were in um, the the daughter's room. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on her name. Mary. Mary's room. We Mary. were in Mary's room. And when we were there, she started having these premonitions about something that had to do with the accident. Then she went up to the psychomantium and had a complete vision of what happened with the accident. She went downstairs with me during the break and pointed out on a painting that she said she had never seen before, and I have to take her at a word, that uh, that was who she had seen in her vision. So she was terrified by what was going on. I'm surprised they actually made it to the basement after, you know, just how scared she was that uh, he didn't drag her out of there. But that's probably, you know, right up there is one of my number one places to investigate. It's a cool place. You've been everywhere. What would be your top, you know, maybe your top five? To go back to, like, or just of, of investigations that you've had. The, the, it's um, you know they're moving targets, but you know, uh, big giant abandoned creepy buildings just do it for me. Yeah. You know, you walk in, it's the right story, it's the right context, the right place, the right look, the right everything. And um, you know, like a Waverly Hills in Louisville, Kentucky is one of those where you walk in, and I don't consider myself sensitive at all, but you walk into that place and you just go, whoa, you know. Like, I know, Matt. You've been there. Oh yeah, yeah. Of times. You just, you just like, whoa, dude. This, this. And every time you go in, it's still the same. Whoa. It's electric. It's electric. And and I've been into tons of haunts where you walk in and I just go, okay, whatever. You know, I want to check it out. It looks interesting. But you walk into that one and you just stop in your tracks. And um, you know, that's one of them. Ohio State Reformatory is another one that I just think is you walk in and you just feel it in every part of the building. You know, it's just huge and creepy and scary. You know, in Mansfield, Ohio, and you know, Lizzie Borden. One of those places where you just, you, know, you walk in, Rob's house, which is 
not really that it's, haunted it's at all. It's worth going there for the vegetables. But filled with spirits. I saw, I saw the garden. I filled with spirits, yeah. Anybody who can grow grapes, you know, they can't be all, all that haunted. Do you have grapes this year? Do they, do they ripen? I get about, oh, about three weeks away. All right. It makes, we'll go step on them and make some wine or something. Nice. Lucy's style. That's a plan. <laughs> well, if there is one place that you want to get back to that you haven't had a chance to, what would that be? Oh, man. There's, there's a couple, but... Um, you know, any of those places, uh, I got to go to the White House years ago and I was working on a kid's book there and I would love a little more access, you know, but I get it. You know, it, it's, it's tough. A first term president would never allow it. Yeah. So, well, your only hope, and this is when I wrote the book, by the way, when I worked on the, my, uh, who's in the White House kid's book, I called and it was George Bush's like, you know, lame duck year. It was... Okay. The last year of his eighth year of presidency, you know, the, the, the new election was already done. The, there's no political toll to pay. You know, it doesn't matter what he did at that point because, you know, it was all over. And um, but that's a place I'd like to go back to. But I think your only hope is is in the last year of a second term of a president. And, and keep in mind, I didn't really deal with the administration. I dealt with the staff, but still the administration. Yeah, yes, some, some snap, approval sure. there, but the um, you know at the end of the day, it, it's uh, it's sad that they wouldn't just talk about it or at least appreciate it. But you know, I've got quotes from Reagan, from Clinton, Mrs. Clinton, you know, both President and Mrs. Clinton, and you President, know, future President, future <laughs> right, right. Who knows? No, I'm saying, what about the history of the story being reported, like from Churchill? Yeah. Stuff. Oh, 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 way back, sure. But I mean, every modern president, George W. Bush, had an experience on the second floor that he said, talked about in one interview. And, you know, every presidency, every modern presidency, Republican and Democrat, I don't care where you stand, yeah. they've got experiences to share. So, you know, clearly that's that's comforting to me that ghosts, you know, uh, you know cross party lines and are inclusive instead of exclusive. If I'm not mistaken, a lot of them are. Uh, first ladies, actually, that are seen. Yeah, there's plenty of first lady accounts. Um, you know, uh, Dolly Madison. You know, yeah, she's one. And, and uh, you know, yeah, there's, there's uh, uh, Abigail Adams. John Adams. Abby. Abby, yeah, Massachusetts girl. Um, you know, these. Uh, she was hot. <laughs> I, I heard that. I heard she, that. Yeah, he, I, I'm more of the Dolly Madison type. You know, yeah. really go there and fight a fight. I'm trying to get some uh, social media interaction here for the show, but I can't. Nothing that. Uh, is anyone listening to the stream or is it just us? Uh, I don't know. Costa can let us know. He can text me or message me and let me know. I want to try and keep getting that up on my phone. Nah, it's cool, man. It's cool. Well, you hear a lot of stories coming out of the White House, so there are a lot of stories coming out of other, you know, government buildings. Like, sure. I assume the Senate would have a lot of them. Yeah, always, you know. I mean, all these buildings. White House. I've got a White House. <laughs> <laughs> the one on the corner. <laughs> yeah, no, every, all these public buildings, you know, they got a story to tell. It, you know, a, a building is a, it really is a, a living, breathing thing, you know. I mean, I, I get that. It, there's a soul to it, you know, when, when you leave a building alone, whether it's a house or a factory or an office building or whatever, when you leave it alone for weeks, months, and years, and then you go walk into it, there's a feeling inside. It's just dead. It's weird. But you can walk into an empty office building that was full, say, this morning, 
and right now it's empty and you walk in and there's a totally different feeling because there's that human activity that human energy is literally right. seeped into the walls right. Right. we do have people listening. oh nice thank Poor you people <laughs> thank you to both Matt, of you matt told us chat is down oh good chat is down it's probably just down on his end because of the studio but he says that it's good stuff so oh thanks man nice. that reminds me anybody need more beer I was going to say, if he says it's good stuff, I mean, we're not nearly drunk enough. This, huh? We'll make it make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Oh, cool. You want one, too? Are you good? I'm good. Yeah, I got like half one, so. Jeff? Good. Yeah, fire it up. So, yeah, no, so today was my birthday party, and um, I don't usually do these things. In fact, uh, it was a miracle I wasn't booked at an uh, event. <laughs> Oh, I was in the summertime? Uh, I was booked, but I, I, I told him no, you know, a while ago. Watch out for the trees, Rob. Well, he's, Costa said he needs one. It's a long ride. Costa, you should have come. It's not too late. It's not too late. You got 10 minutes. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy world. But yeah, no, um, so, just, I don't know, 40 years, though. It, it's. I know it's stupid. It's just a number. You know, nothing's radically that different than right. last week. But you know, when, you remember when you turned thirty? What that felt like? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I was working Thanks. a job that I always said that if I was ever working when I was thirty, I'd kill myself. And there you were. That was different for three or four years. So. So, the, but but then once you once you got past it though, it was just all right. I'm yeah, in my thirties. You were good for a decade. Well, I feel like I just got to get past the forty thing. But it, it reminds me, you know, I, you and I have talked about, like, time slips and time travel and all that. Right. And I'm still working on this book on on the, that subject because I think time is an amazing topic. Not just being a Doctor Who fan or a fan of time travel movies, but when you start to realize the only thing we're really certain of is this instant. You know what I mean? Like, the past, what happened an hour ago, we've got a pretty good guess. What will happen an hour from now? We really, you know, we, we, we think we know, you know, if, if all goes according to plan, you know, we think we know, but something could change. An asteroid could be, you know, barreling down on us right now and change that, that course, you know, forever. And so if you realize the, the thing that matters is this one instant, you know, right now, this moment. And in that moment, you can make a million decisions. You know, you don't have to wait for New Year's to... Uh, you know, to make those resolutions. You don't have to wait for your birthday to turn over a new leaf or, uh, you know, spring or summer, fall, winter, whatever. You know, you can do it right now. You just say, hey, right now, I want to be this person. I want to be this good person. I want to be this positive thing. Or you can choose to be this negative thing. And right now, you will be that. And that's um, that's the thing about reality. You know, we define it for ourselves all the time. And and it, that that, to me, ties into everything paranormal. You know, you define your reality. One person sees like a, a misty, you know, cloud and says, no, that's actually a, a, a triangle UFO. Another person sees it and says, just a cloud and right. ignores it, you know, and, and maybe they're both right. Uh, you know, reality is for people who can't handle drugs. That's, <laughs> right. uh, that's, that's one of my favorite Jeff Charles lines. <laughs> yeah. One of my radio gods. But, uh, and here we are. You mentioned the, uh, the, the time travel book that you've been working on, I'm going to guess, perhaps, you know, ironically, not ironically, but that's probably taking you the most time to write, because it's not like walking into ghosts where you have a relatively uh, set idea of the story that you want to tell. I mean, with, with time travel, we have no clue 
about anything to do with it, but it could be kind of the crux of a lot of the explanation of things. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. You know, for me, I'm not a math guy, and I'm, in the book, I'm trying to, you know, keep equations out of it. Thank you. You're yeah, I'm not a math guy either. I know, but it's 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 tricky stuff. And again, it's, years it's very validating, you know, when you can put math to it. But you know, the um, at the end of the day, it comes down to perception. You know, like, like there's forces that affect time, or at least your perception of gravity, is the biggest one, speed, you know, those kind of things. But um, but perception. Density is a water factor. Yeah. Well, and here's a simple example. You know, you go see a lecture or a, or you watch a television show, and it's really good, it's really interesting, and it's riveting, and it moves. An hour could go by and feel like a minute. Or you're in the same seat watching something that's really boring, but you still have to stay there until it's over. That hour could seem like a day or a week, you know, um, because of your perception of that, those those various instants in time. And, uh, you know, that's when, that's comes down, you know, you can talk about quantum physics and stuff like that. And that's when it comes down to understanding that if you really can, you know, affect your personality and affect your perception, and the way you interpret things, you can change the world. You literally can. You know, you can you can sit there in the dentist office waiting for your appointment, and you know, make it an experience that's not miserable. You know, you can do all kinds. Yeah, of things. nature's outside. And but you can also uh, change the way that you experience that world <coughs> as it's happening. You know, like a lot of folks look into trying to to dream lucidly. Yeah. You know, they want to be able to control that experience, but. People who subscribe to The Secret and the power of positive thinking and the law of attraction will tell you, well, you can basically make your entire life like a lucid dream if you just believe. Yeah. Uh, but for some of us, there's just that blockage. You know, I'm, I'm, I tend to be a relatively negative person. That's my boy. And it, and, it, and it blocks me from having a lot of these moments that other folks have. But that's just the way that I perceive the same reality that they do. Now, let me ask you a question about your book. Yeah. We're going to cover traveling both forward and backward in it? Yeah. Well, forward's pretty easy. You know, I mean, that one's, um, we know how to do that. I mean, we're doing it right now. You know, we're going one second at a time into the future, boldly. Um, we even know how to do faster than that. Just go fast. You know, you hop on a commercial airplane and you fly to LA, you've moved in time. Um, you're, you're, um, the amount of time you've experienced, you've perceived, is nanoseconds less than on the ground. They've proved this with atomic clocks. But we're on a plane, we're on the ground. They're not synced when they land. Tiny. I mean, you'd have to spend the rest of your life, you know, in the air or in space, and you still wouldn't even get up to higher and faster than that. Yes. You still wouldn't even get a whole second. But you would indeed be moving faster than the rest of us. Um, but imagine if you could get to, like, half the speed of light. Or if you could get to more than that. You know, it gets interesting. When you travel back in time, there are these things called paradoxes that are really fascinating. You know, and, and the most uh, common is you go back grandpa. in time. Yeah, you, you kill your grandfather before he ever had children. You know, and so it comes down to like, well, could you even do that? Well, of course not. You couldn't, because if you did it, it means you did it successfully and you never were born, so you couldn't go back to do it. But or it means there are these infinite universes, meaning you go back other timeline that you can right. from. You kill your grandpa, and it's fine. You know, there's suddenly now the whole universe where you were never born, and the, and the universe where you were born is still completely intact. Um, going back is tricky. Where would you even go? You know, 
if you if you realize the Earth is rotating, where would you go in the future? You should not kill your grandpa. That that's true. <laughs> my, Rob both of my grandfathers are very nice men. All the ways around. That, uh, you know, I'd be sad with them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah you know, you're saying that though, like you, you say, well, everybody wants to go and experience uh, an era or yeah. experience a certain. You know, nobody's ever like, well, home, you know. I think it'd be fun to find out the stark reality of what life was like at this time. You know, they all right. have romanticized notions of what it is that they're going to be going back to. They want to see something specific. And, and one point that, that skeptics have made, that time travel, backward at least, will never be possible, is that when significant historic events have happened, like 9-11, there weren't a ton of UFO sightings. Or like, who are these strange people? True. Go ahead, say it. Where? Where were they? We had tons of reports of UFOs after they closed the skies because there was tons of stuff that was up there that people were looking at, trying to figure out what what that is. And when you got Air Force jets coming up and flying cap over it, you know these things started taking off. I got tons of reports from 9/11. So yeah. that, that's something I know for a fact. Well, there. one thing that we've never really talked about. Or too. were they always there? You just didn't see them control the air. All the other, yeah. Right. But, or did it kick up, or did you just notice it? Because now there was. Well, you also had a lot of people looking up now. Right. But don't, don't things like 9 11 cause people to be more spiritually based? Whether or not it's organized religion, you know, I'm not sure. sure they're going to suddenly start yeah. going back to church, but they're starting to think more about you know something greater. So that might make them more attuned to thinking that we're not out there. I mean, some, it depends on what your belief system is. Some are so ardently against the paranormal because that's what they're taught. That it would cause them to be less inclined to believe, and others are thinking there's more of this than I can understand, and they might be more inclined to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we're all a product of every moment of our upbringing, you know, from an hour ago to right now to, you know, when you were a child, and that stuff affects you. You know, you, you go through something that emotionally powerful, and you, you tend to tap into something I like to call humanity. You know, this this human experience that we're all going through, you know, that you realize people aren't that different. We're all trying to eat, sleep, work, provide, you know, and have something at the end of the day. It's, it's um, all of it affects how you perceive the world around you and our different sensitive sensitivities and proclivities, you know. And maybe that's why some people go out and have a lot of experiences, and others of us, you know, few and far between, or maybe not. It's, it's amazing, though, how much, how forward we have to go in every single moment, how much we stay tied to what came before. Like, yeah. here we are, just a bunch of guys sitting around a fire, you know, making fire and talking about ghosts, which uh, this probably goes back 10,000 years or more. At least. Although they didn't have fancy fire pokers like we do. <laughs> no, they had sticks. Or beer is good. It's something. They were drinking something or smoking something. Not that we would ever do that. It is natural. It is from the earth, so therefore they would have found it. That's right. Totally right. True. What's, what's your dream investigation, Tim? Place you could go. Here, here's the keys. Give it to us. Uh, that's an easy answer, actually, for me. The Amityville House. Yeah. All right. Yep. I just want to know if there's anything going on there at all, because getting back to you know perception, that could be a completely true story. Not that I believe every aspect of it, but if the story was completely true, it could have just been one family's perception of yeah. how it went. You know, one person's terrorizing demon is another person's benign spirit, or creaky cupboard. 
Yeah, no, and the thing about Amityville is, you know, we know people were murdered in that house. That's not right. That's not a story. I mean, there's police photos. You can find them online. And they're Bruce and the ones that you find. Yeah, no, this was a horrible, horrible murder. Um, yeah. But, boy, we've tried to get in there and working for Ghost Adventures and stuff like that. We've made calls. We've literally knocked on the door and said, hey, something you might consider. And, uh... They won't even entertain the discussion. Right. Let alone say yes or no. But I thought the house was back up for sale. It was a while ago. 2009. No, I mean, like, recently, recently, like within the past three months. No, that was the house in Tom's River, New Jersey, where they filmed the exteriors for the movie. That house was up for sale uh, a few months ago. But the actual, what's it, 122 Ocean Ave now? But that house was sold, I think, in 2009. Uh, I forget the gentleman's name who bought it, but it's an Italian last name. When I when I tried calling, I called them. I called neighbors. I called anybody that would uh, have a listed phone number anywhere in the vicinity. And I think a single return phone call. Bitches. I was there a few years Fucking ago. Ass. I was working on a project, and... Um, with some friends, and, and we said, "Hey, let's let's go over there. You know, we're close." And so, I mean, this was June. You know, like June, whatever. Like, just hey, you get me a bit. Not uh, not any special date or anniversary. Or and we we get out in front of the house. We took a couple of pictures, and neighbors are just honking. They're like, "Get away, you jerks!" Like, right? You know, go home, stop it. And uh, I was like, man, oh man, they're so protective of this place. These are million-dollar houses, right? Right on, on, on a lake, you know. Yeah, that's not a trailer park. There, no, it's, uh, no offense to our trailer park listener, but that's you know that's uh, an area where they don't. Because one of the ideas that I had, being you know not business savvy at all, was like, why doesn't somebody buy that and turn that into a bed and breakfast? Yeah, you couldn't uh, because nobody probably would for would allow that at all. Oh no, you're you're the house. I mean, it's such a residential place. You know, the neighbors. First of all, I was like, if you tried to film there and they knew about it. They'd be blaring music all night. They'd do right. whatever it took they do, to like. Yeah. They'd bang on the windows while you're trying yeah. to investigate. Yeah. yeah, they'd do anything they could to stop you. From or maybe not, because maybe that would give the false impression that something is going on. More people would come back. I'd just be worried about the tires on the vehicles parked outside. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a million-dollar house on a lake. You know, the houses are like 20, 30 feet apart. And, you know, it, it's not like in the movie where this thing, this lonesome place on the hill. Right. That looks so spooky. You know, this is like a... You drive down this street, and unless someone knows what to look for and told you that's the house, you drive right by it. Now, the Tom River house, different story. That still looks exactly the same. And perhaps people are probably better off trying to get into that house because, hey, why not? Yeah. Now, do you find that uh, when you, know, you research a lot of places for ghost adventures, and when you're, when you're combing through the histories of these places, you're trying to find the perfect place to film, do you feel like it's a matter of uh, kind of just the stars aligning for something to come together, that it's the perfect confluence of they have the activity, they're willing to let you in at the same time that you're looking for it. Is there something, some sort of force that's drawing into these places? Yeah, you know, we're always looking for interesting stories. You know, I mean, that's that's what drives any paranormal investigator, I think. You know, you're... I'm not saying you've heard it all after a few years, but you've heard a lot of it. Right. And so you want to hear stuff that shakes you up. That says, like, whoa, that's that's different. That's a different spin on it. So we're always looking for that. We're always looking for stuff that's, you know, geographically different. You can't just go to the same place every time. You can't just go to the same type of place. 
So if you just did three hospitals, you can't do a fourth or a fifth or a sixth, you know? You gotta you gotta change it up. So there's so many factors when you're looking at a location. And we're always kicking around ideas and stories. And there's so many, man, you know, like there's individual houses like we really need help we want you to come here and you wish you could go to all of them you wish you could get back to all of them but you just you know you just can't at the end of the day you just will find that place that speaks to your guts and and that story that's compelling and you go with it how much water is left in the well do you think oh plenty plenty there's always not only is there there, there are tons of places we've never done in ghost adventures anyway um there's there's new ways, new information on old older stories. No man, could go forever. No no question. There's there's shoot, and, and not only that, they keep making more haunts. There's no shortage. <laughs> well, I think look, I mean, we we say, well, how long can the paranormal media bubble last before it bursts? But why can't it last a hell of a lot longer? No, just look at how long talking about it is gone. I think I think it's I think it's here to stay, and I'll tell you why. Um, a producer, a TV producer years ago said, we now view the paranormal like we view cooking shows. There have been cooking shows for decades, and there always will be. The personality behind the personality, it, you know, right. the, you know, the style or whatever, that's going to change, but there will be a cooking show 10 years from now, and, and 20 years from now, and so on. And so, they now, and, and that's kind of been true since at least the 1970s you know, and 80s, in right. search of this, there's been a paranormal show. You know, there's always been something somewhere that uh, that's <coughs> right. feeds into the audience. So I think it's here to stay. What it looks like and how it changes, you know, that's going to evolve as people's tastes change. You know, whether they want to see serious scientists and researchers or the everyman, you know, like the, the plumbers or whatever. I mean, all the shows that are on TV now, they've tried to find all the different aspects of that. Yeah. Total side note, has nothing to do with the paranormal. This, but this recently came up on my, my other talk show. Who do you think makes the most money on television? On television? Yes, Fine, as no. a show on television. Sorry. Well, you this, remember the show Friends, right? They were getting a million bucks an episode. And they're now upping the Big Bang Theory to a million bucks an episode. Yeah. So, but the the person who makes, the person who's number one is far and away. I, I would guess money. Oprah. No. It's, believe it or not, this surprised me. It's Judge Judy. What? Really? $47 million a year. No way. She's been on for 19 seasons, has been nominated for 14 Emmys, and has never won one. Jeez. And she makes $47 I've never million won an Emmy either. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, wrong. But think about this, right? If you're Judge Judy, you make that $47 million a year. How many episodes do you think they can knock out in a day? Oh. I mean, I know she puts on a, a Two or three. show pretty much every day. Sure. So, but she's probably working like a half to a third of the year to make forty-seven million dollars. Yes. So, although you know, whenever anybody references Oprah money now, they say, "Oh, that's Oprah money." I don't say that anymore. I say that's fucking Judge Judy money. <laughs> yeah, TV's a—it's a funny medium. You know, the visual medium, um, whether it's television or YouTube or internet stream or whatever. You know, it's—it's—we uh, want it. The, the people have spoken. You know, we do want it. That being said, this will probably be podcast only, because uh, otherwise you're just going to see two hours of the fire on YouTube. That's kind of cool. It's like that Christmas Day thing that people right. channel. Put, put us on on Halloween and play this back. Yeah. We could be your Halloween uh, roaring fire with Chester. <laughs> oh, Timmy. 
I appreciate you having me on over here. It's been uh, it's been fun, and we've done some cool stuff together. And well, that's that's why we like having you on all the time. It's you know you you got over being on the radio and, and talking about the subject matter that you're passionate about pretty quickly. So you've always found a way to bring something new to the table. You know, I know that when you come on, it's not going to be a rehash of the same show that we did four years ago. Well, that's it's I don't. It's cool. I do get requests to be on radio shows, and podcasts, and stuff right. like that. I don't. Wait, I just I can't get to most of them anymore. Right. Yeah. Because it, part of it is just like, man, I you know, I don't want to talk about the same old thing. Right. And there's four or five of them every night in some form or fashion. Yeah, sure. And there's not enough diversity in what you can bring to the table. You know, your attention. Right. They just all want to have Jeff Langer for the first time. And talking right. about the same subject. And, uh, you know, and doing what got you into the paranormal? Yeah. What's nah. next for you? You know, like, I'm like, oh, my it, It's But the thing is, like, you know, the, the, uh, and I appreciate people want to be in it, but having done 30 odd minutes now for four years, I, I think now, like, in every way, not just, the, well, what's it like for the guests, but I think about as the host, as the, as the person that's working on the content, you know, I don't ever want to interview a person about what it's like to be them. I don't care. Right, you know, I don't. If you got me the the biggest celebrity on earth, like, you know, if it was for thirty odd minutes, tell me about a, something paranormal. Don't just tell me about oh, you're Brad Pitt. Like, that's great. I've got Brad Pitt on my show, which I don't. But right. you know, but but Not if I did, what are you going to talk about that's paranormal? Like, give me some perspective, something that that I couldn't get anywhere else. Otherwise, you're not being true to the audience. The one of the things that we got accused of in the early days was we would have somebody on usually from a group or some group that we would be talking with and they would share their experiences and the question that would come up from other people in the audience is well who are they to get to be on this show which right. I guess makes us feel good because you know people view that show in that regard but like who are they I have the same exact experiences they have and I'm not on your show yeah so it made me realize that not only do you have to be a little bit more discerning about what it is that you want to bring people on to talk about, but that you have to find new ways to involve them in the discussion. If you're just... I, let's say, I love John Zappas. I do. I think that he's a great guy, and he's a great friend to everybody in the paranormal. I haven't seen a lot of shift in his theories over the years. You know, he has discovered what he believes and what works for him, and he hasn't really evolved that discussion. So a John Zappas interview from one show to the other is John Zappas talking about the same approach. I want to hear somebody like yourself, well, you come on, you'll say, well, the last time you had me on, I thought this, but now things have changed, and I'm now willing to accept this. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't do. You know, I think, too, is that sometimes you get um, you get some notoriety for whatever it is you're working on, mm -hmm. and some people have a hard time letting that go. I, I've always thought of myself as the journalist, the guy that provides the information, the story. I'm not the story myself. You're just a conduit for I, it. I'm the guy that shares the story, so I don't feel a need to make any wild claims. You know? So um, so I'm open. I am open to, to whatever happens. I, I, I don't have a, story, a specific story to sell you. Um, I just, you know, when something interesting happens, I want to I tell people about it. And, and look at the perception that we have toward a band like you know, give me a band that's been around for a long time. Rolling Stones. Keep, put, yeah. keep putting out new albums that sound different. Rolling Stones. You know, you've got bands who have been around forever, and from one record to the next, they're willing to take chances, willing to change things up. 
And, you know, like a guy like Bowie, he's been around for 50 years. You never get the same album twice out of him. Sure. And then you get other bands, like, well, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, who've been around forever, don't even have the same original members anymore. They're just going out playing the same catalog of hits. Yep. And you'll see that they have, you know, the, the, the draw and the demand for Blood, Sweat, and Tears is different than the draw and the demand for the Rolling Stones. You know, and I think that that is evident, too, in the paranormal, where I think there's more of a demand for the people who can be uh, ever-evolving and ever-changing, and the people who just rely on their greatest hits, people are like, well, you know, we've already heard this album before. Yeah, well, and, and the sad thing is people that are kind of new to it feel like, you know, you got to always top yourself. Right. And you don't have to always top yourself. Just always be honest. You know, um, I've, I've partaken in experiments. I've met with psychics. I've gone into locations where I'm like, I felt nothing. I know this is the most haunted place on earth to you, or this is the most gifted psychic. I, I got nothing at all out of it, you know, but, but that's okay. You know, I don't need to, I'm not, you know, I don't feel the need to have an experience every day. But usually when you have experiences with Tim and I, yeah, right. a few times. Yeah. I don't know why. But I think, and what's cool is like, I, I know there's, there's some, um, my, my parents have some friends who are total diehard skeptics. And he once told me, which is actually a huge honor. He said, if you ever tell me something's real, I'll believe you. Because you don't go making that claim all the time. You say when something weird happens. And I'm like, that's the kind of thing we should strive for. Right. You know, just that credibility where it's like, you know, nine times out of ten, I'm not going to experience anything. But the one time that it does happen, I feel like people will believe me because they know, you know, most of the time I go in and nothing happens. When I look at it, though, like I, I say that there's always, like we'll go places and things will happen. And I'll think later on about them long and hard and try to see if maybe I'm misperceiving them in some fashion. Uh, but I, I, I always go back to, in my mind, while it's happening, I go through a little, kind of like a mental checklist of grounding myself in, in the reality of the moment. So if it passes that test, then I have to kind of accept this being a real experience. And then why is it that we can go out and have experiences more often than somebody else has been doing it forever? And I get to that point of like you know the tree falling in the woods you know it has to be the right person that's there to hear it in order for it to be heard yeah no it's um it's a funny thing you know you, you you get out there and you put yourself in a situation where you hope it happens right and i think most of us do funny as it sounds you know like we've had a few experiences personally and you go back and you say boy i want that again because when it happens, time slows down, and you, you, you breathe it all in, and you go, whoa, you know, what does all this mean? And, uh, and, and that's the thing we're always chasing after, you know, having that experience again. I'll give you a good example of Lizzie's. Yeah. We, we had a couple of really good experiences, but several times we've been there and had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. All of purposes, nothing. Well, if it happened every time, we would have called CNN and right. Fox News and all those guys and been like, here, here it is all the time, you know? Just go ahead and film it. Yeah, Larry King would have loved to have gotten that call. He, he's all about it. Yeah, but no, we go there, and some nights it's hopping, and some nights nothing. And to me, that only adds credibility. I was going to say something before. I know what it was. was it about the fire? Maybe. It is a beautiful fire. You, you, you are definitely going to be commended on this fire. <laughs> Thanks for poking Maybe. it, Ron. No problem. Maybe more wood? Yeah, let her go. I'm a kick-ass poker. Okay. Rob can poke like nobody's business. Uh, Are people really watching this? Actually, yeah. Poor bastards.
Well, we love those guys. Spooky yeah. South. They're all good. They're all good people. Well, you know, the funny, the, the cool thing too, like having met so many people through the paranormal, you know, and you realize how many people are, are exactly like you, you know, they're just on the quest, right? you know, and that's the, uh, that's the cool thing. You talk to people at conferences and, you know, exchange emails with them, you, you meet people wherever and, and they tell you about their experiences and they're like, they're just like you. They're just, it's, you realize how similar we all are just I got questions and I want to want answers. There's definitely a, not to use this term in a derogatory fashion, but there's definitely a paranormal stain on you once you are involved, where you yeah. can just meet people and within you know a 15 minute conversation, somehow the concept is the conversation is turned to the concept of ghosts. Yeah, you know, like I'll stop at yard sales and it just chatting people up about the crap they've put out on the table somehow ghosts will come up, and I'm not bringing it up. Right. So I think that the more that we're around folks, the more that folks are willing to open up to us because we kind of give off the vibe. Yeah. No, that's true. You know, you let the conversation go that way, and you go, you know, actually, I do believe in ghosts, and um, you know, it doesn't bother me to talk about it anymore or admit it or whatever. Um, you know, there was a time where it did, but... You, you got to get to the point in your life where you're comfortable just being who you are. Right. And I think this is just one piece of it. I feel bad for people that don't believe the way that I believe. It, it's, yeah. Because I'm like, well, if it happens to you, like, it's going to change you. Yeah. But, and then, and what do you, how do you explain it otherwise? You know, when you're the only judge that matters. You know, everyone else could be like, well, I wasn't there, so whatever you said, I'm going to have to go with. Going back to the relationship, I tell people, don't worry about the equipment. Don't worry about what's going to light up and what's going to vibrate, what's going to make a noise. Worry about whether or not you're going to reach out and touch the paranormal. So. Now, you guys have seen this yourselves. I know you have because I've been there with you. You have something actually happen, and the skeptic in the group still denies that this happened, even though it happened right in front of them. You watched them witness it. Sure. So I don't, I don't give them a second thought. But my point being is... In that situation. But the point being is people are going to accept it at their own right. right. Even when things happen, they're going to have to accept it in their own way. We're, we're experienced. We've, we've dealt with it a number of times. But we have to accept that too, even when it happens again. Yeah. You know, like you you, uh, you say, yep, no, that's the real thing. Or you say, nah, something about that doesn't seem quite right. Or, or it changes you, whatever. You know? True. I've been there when people are saying there's experiences happened that I did not catch. Right. And, and you don't want to call him a liar, but at the same time, you're like, maybe there was a message and it wasn't for me. It was for right. you. Um, yeah, I've been in, I've been in Waverly with people, and they're like, look, right down there. You know, right in the right where the bend of the building is. And I'm like, I'm looking. I'm, 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 I'm right next to you. I'm standing right next to you looking. And they're just like, no, oh, it's right down there. I said, I'm going to go walk. I'm going to literally, I'll, you say stop when I'm next to it. Okay, stop. And I get there and. I'm looking all around and I see nothing at all. And they go, "It's right next to you." He's he's pointing to you. He's putting his arms around you. And I'm going, "I don't feel anything. I don't see anything." But who's right? You know, right. I mean, maybe, we, maybe both of us. We are also a species that is uh, very prone to falling for suggestion <laughs> overall. And uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that cows don't suffer mass hysteria. Ponies yeah. might differ. He probably has some uh, actual scientific examples, but we'll just go with that. And I, I yeah. think that that's. Um, that, that kind of feeds into a lot of it, you know, like, that, and that bothers me, like, when we go to an, when we run an event, 
and we are hoping that people are having paranormal experiences, it bothers me if they happen to me. As much as I love having them happen to me, it bothers me in that situation for me to be any kind of focus of the activity because right. you look at it and it's like, well, of course it's going to happen to that guy. He wants us to think that something happened. And, and that's one of the things, too, is that I recognize that for some people, a paranormal experience is just a, a cry for attention. Right. Like everybody yeah. look I mean, at you me. You have to realize that. Yeah, I'm going through this thing. Everybody look at me. And so that's why, you know, the credibility of the person having the experience is just as important as the experience itself. Because some people have an experience and you go, gee, you always have an experience, so forget it. And other people, you know, once in a lifetime. Yeah, nothing ever happens. And then suddenly when something happens, you go, whoa, I believe you. You don't, you're not prone to talk about this. We are such a thing about fishing. Some people go and catch fish all the time and the person doesn't get a damn thing for years. That's right. Like, I look at an example like, uh, just as, and this is just an example, they won't mind me using them uh, on me as an example, but Candlelight Paranormal, they come to all of our events, and it seems like when One more uh, Paul is investigating, he will get scratched, he'll get attacked, he'll get hurt in some fashion, and so one person will look at the tree, and they'll say, well... You know, here's every time he goes uh, to some place, he's getting attacked. But they're not looking at the forest, which what is this greater thing that's reaching out that has a problem with him? Right. And so I was discussing that with him the last time. Like, how come this keeps happening to you? It's not a coincidence that it's from location to location. And it happens with other people. They get the same type of phenomenon, the same type of activity yep. happening no matter where they go, no matter what the backstory is. Because it is kind of more interconnected than just being the ghosts in a certain house. And that's why if it's happening to you, if you're the person, you got to ask yourself other questions. You know, why? What's the pattern? Is there a pattern? Right. You know, is it happening because it's been five hours on my feet or this long since I ate or this long since, you know, um, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Like, because if it were me, that's all I can think of is if it were me, they're having the experiences repeatedly. I would want what's to. Wrong? What, what's it about me that's making yeah, this happen? I'd want to reverse engineer that. Right. Why does it. When does Probably it what you go and what you can't handle. Right. Is it when I eat, uh, you know. They just approved the log. I think Jeff's going to be 41 before this fire goes out. Oh, yeah. It's 40. She's 40. That's the tree we just cut down. That's using the restroom. I got about 60 acres of it. <laughs> well, that's, you know, getting back to nature. That's all that is. Although when he comes back and there's a crop circle formed from his yard, that's when we need to worry. It's good stuff, man. Good yeah. stuff. I wish we could take calls. I bet you we actually would have people that wanted to call and, and, and chime in with them. <laughs> they probably want to talk to me. Totally, be like, finally, we got <laughs> It is fun to take calls. You're next. We had fun. I, I, I actually had fun. No, always be a good memory for me. Thirty odd minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good time, man. I did it for like two full years, right? Yeah. We go for wings and beer after every show. Yeah. And uh, oh, we had fun. We still do. It's cool. I mean, it's always evolving. The whole idea. Who's that girl in it? Well, Laura's not with us anymore, but 
Mm-hmm. Get a girl? No problem. money is. You need a girl, man. <laughs> we just got a girl. You need a girl. So no, I, I get it. Like, not that we got a girl, by the way. Welcome to a nice young woman to the program. And speaking of that, you know, funny thing, Michelle, it's get a, Michelle. <laughs> ask her if she wants to do it. It's such <laughs> a male-dominated field. It is. And white male-dominated. Yeah, right. White male, right? Exactly. And you know, yo, honky. A woman's Ooh. a woman's perspective is uh, not only welcome, but it should be needed. It's really needed. That's how we felt. That's why we yeah. had Michelle. We were at a disadvantage, man. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's Ooh, there needs to have a nice rack. <laughs> what? No. Hope she's not in the paranormal. But uh, <laughs> no, we need more. We need more women speaking up. We need more female voices for sure. Yeah, I think too that uh, if we can diversify the experience, then it will gain some credibility as well. Sure. Because it, it not that there's any physical difference from culture to culture aside from a little pigmentation maybe but there's a cultural difference between them and that cultural difference could be a huge uh, uh, cog in in trying to figure this all out a huge piece in the puzzle now you're talking cultures what about the different cultures that do go to something say Japanese seems over in Japan or you know, you were in recently in Australia. Mm-hmm. Uh, how different is their culture doing what we do compared to here, you know, versus what they do in England with the old spirit society? The, there was a difference I saw in Australia uh, back in May. And the it toilets? was interesting, the, um, the... The way they flush. What? The toilets, the way they flush, was that a difference? Yeah, yeah they, they, well, they, they flushed straight down. I kept waiting to film one that went the other know. way. Um, <laughs> That's a sidetrack. Yeah, no, land down on that. So one of the things I noticed, they were very much into provoking. Like really? that was all, not just one or two people, like everybody was in They were all like crocodile dundees with like, EMF detectors? That's not an EMF detector. So the, um, um, we interviewed, we, uh, we investigated this old prison, um, and it was, uh, it was an old jail. And so... They did That's something called Australia. <laughs> Believe me, they're like, yeah, we heard it. Shut up. So you know, the um, the whole idea was that it, it was um, a muster. So they got everybody together. They did something they called a muster, where everybody like really tries to fire up the energy of the building, screaming, provoking, etc. Wow. And I mean, and then everybody investigated. And I was like, whoa, that's different. We're doing that at Edenville. Yeah, a muster. Never really seen that. And, you know, it's provoking, you know, and I get it. Ghost Adventures had a big part in the popularity of that. Um, but, you know, I don't think a lot of people are doing that anymore. Well, I think it depends on the activity that happens, you know. We've seen a reaction where we provoke at Lizzie Borden's. Sure. And when I tried doing it at the Hope Mansion, it, it didn't work. So it, it definitely has to adapt from location to location. Yeah, no, that's any, that's really any night of investigating, isn't it? Like, you, you adapt, you do what you think is right. Yeah, if you fall into one style, if you have a style of investigating, you're limiting yourself. Right. You have to be willing to kind of accept what is the, you know, take the hand that's being dealt to you, because it could be different. Totally. All right, next caller. Hi, you're live. Do we use, uh, do we use that service where they provide you with actors to call in? Oh, right. Three actual followers. 
It's a weird thing too, man. Radio. It's uh, oh, well, you know, like, what's the future of it? Um, uh, the way I look at it, it's going to be a gap, but it'll be big in as about fifty years. As we've gotten further, and being somebody who works in many dying mediums, uh, <laughs> right. when when we look at you know ink newspapers, when we look at dead tree newspapers. The buzz of being in it has worn off. You know, you could always count on as many names as you can get in the paper. That's probably as many papers as you're going to sell. Right. And that doesn't work anymore because of the internet. People still love to hear the sound of their own voices. So there will always be that voice-to-voice interaction. You know, even as we live in a text society, it's only made the phone call more special. Right. So there will always be some type of interaction Radio-wise, now it's just a matter of will it stay on terrestrial broadcast, will it move to the internet? I think probably all of that's true, but there'll always be a place for it. The problem is right now we have all these newfangled ways of doing it without the talent to be able to do it. Yeah, which is a big, you know, like I, hey, I know there's you know ten thousand paranormal shows on blog top radio, when in actuality there should be a tenth of that, and someday yeah. maybe there will be. But and yeah. the same is true. I mean, I listen to. Our own station. I don't mind. We have we broadcast the Stephanie Miller show every day, and it's liberal radio out of uh, L.A., but it's terrible. And it, it she's crass, and she broadcasts the lowest common denominator. She's not funny, and it's overproduced. But it still draws because it's still interaction. Yeah, see, you know, we're losing Rob. Rob taking off? No, 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 I'm all right. Okay, he's just reflecting. Just saying. Oh, all right. Before I forget. It's fine. But you get something to ask me? No, no, we thought you were leaving. Okay. We want to know what's going to happen to the fire if you left. No, mm. I'm still poking. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect fire. Is that, a, uh, what, is that an actual fire pit? Or is that a yeah. hollowed out something? It's a fire, fire pit. That I, spot in the grass will be dead tomorrow. Well, as I said, I noticed that you are smart enough to move it to, uh, you know, covered ground. When you're not using it, I left mine out and it rusted out completely. Oh, yeah. No need for a good lawn right here. It'll come back one day. This one spot, this is, this is how it works. You burn, the ashes return to the earth, new light proves. Funny thing about my relationship with Tim, people may not realize this, Tim covers the Who's Patriots. Tim? That's the guy That's across from you. I don't, Tim. That's nature. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Tim, Tim covers the Patriots, and uh, I'll text him a lot during games. And right. often it's just riddled with obscenities, you know, just like, what are they thinking? Like, son of a no good, blah, 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 Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so we got that. We got, uh, it's, and, and there's a delay, you know, so sometimes I'll get a text from Tim being like, touchdown, and I'm like, really? And then one second later, you know, the TV catches up. Oh, yeah, I try not to ruin it for you. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Inside info. I don't even think about that, yeah. But it's funny, because the, uh, well, there was one game. Yeah, yeah, there was one night where I remember we, Tim Dennis was involved in it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, oh, speaking of, of Minnesota friends of ours and, and sports, Mike Brody. Did you see that video blow up? Randy Moss. Oh yeah. my gosh! Like quarter of a million views in a day. Oh yeah, he was up to like a million views by the time I went off the air this morning. No kidding. Yeah. It was on Sports Center. Yep. It was on everything. Every, every all oh, the sports shows. Our friend Mike Brody, Brody made a video that went viral. Oh, I know him. 
Yeah, he was yeah. thirty minutes. Yeah, another thirty minutes. Yes, yeah. No, he he uh he made this video about Kevin Love, right? Yeah, getting traded from the uh, Timberwolves. And it was cool. Oh, what did he end up? It, it, he just put it on YouTube, and it got seen seen a million times in like three days, and it got on Sports Center. And he was actually, I guess, he posted it up from what I what I gathered. What team did he get traded to? Uh, Cleveland looks like he's going. Did to he really? Yeah. Well, they they have this held up because they just signed Wiggins, so they got to wait like a month from uh, the day they signed him, but it's going to happen. But he put it up, I guess, and then he like got on a plane to fly to New York for a comedy festival. By the time he got off the plane, it was like a half a million views. Yeah. And he couldn't believe it. He was getting all these texts and tweets. I was like, I just saw your video on SportsCenter. Yeah, it's cool. Because I wanted to have him on the show this morning, but he had to, you know, he wanted to sleep in from the travel. And yeah. Oh, Kevin Love? Yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> actually, speaking of NBA folks and the paranormal, uh, there used to be a guy who played point guard for the Celtics, and he went on to a bunch of other teams still in the league, named Mike James. And he grew up in Amityville. Okay. And so his like nickname as a basketball player was the Amityville Horror. But I, I asked him about that growing up, and he's like, "Oh man, he's like, it didn't matter if it was true or if it wasn't true. Like, the brave kids still went there, and the kids who weren't brave didn't go and got ridiculed for it." Yeah. You know, so it's, and it's and he was a pretty superstitious guy. He said, you know, like with a lot of his game rituals. Superstition in sports. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Both of them, right with it. Adam Vinatieri told me a story about watching the ghosts move from room to room in the old Foxborough State Hospital when they used to practice there. What did he say? He said that they'd all just stand there, like, you know, standing around and practice. They used to practice right in the open spaces around it. They'd all look up and see it. They'd be like, did you fucking see that? Yeah, I saw that. Holy shit. Like, but that was it. They're like, that was as far as they ever got with it. They just acknowledged that it happened. They never talked about it anymore. Hmm. I've never asked Brady about ghosts, but maybe I will this season. Yeah, just for you. And and if Giselle, what she think? How many more seasons does he have? I know that. Uh, I know that. Uh, I'd rather talk to Giselle. Actually. Rob Nikovich is open to the possibility. I know that. Uh, I asked, who was it I asked about it? Vrabel one time I asked him about it. And he said he was open to the possibility, but that he doubted it. You know, it's funny when you're when you're like a, an NFL football player. Like even a question like that, you're like, oh, I don't want to make people mad. I don't want to be a jerk. Right. So, it is what it is. Yeah. They always do. I should have asked Lawrence Maroney about it because he would have he would have given me a good answer. But like at the end of the day, too, like who cares what those guys think about it? Right. Their opinion is no more or less valid than, you know, anybody else on the, the street. The only opinion that I care about from the, from the Patriot player is what they think about the game. Or, and that's only because there might be some shred of inside information or insight to that opinion. Right, of course. You know, I don't want to go in there and ask them about current events. But people do, right? Of course. Because people look up to them, so... nutty red sense. The Red Sox on the world was flat. No, it was, it was a Red Sox player. Oh, uh, I remember uh, Carl Everett being called That's Jurassic him. Carl. That's him. Yeah. Carl Everett. Because he, didn't believe, like he didn't believe in the dinosaurs. Yes, yes, yes. That's who I was thinking of. <laughs> he believe in the dinosaurs? He yeah, the we called him Dan Shaughnessy nicknamed him Jurassic Carl. 
<laughs> and he nicknamed Dan Shaughnessy the curly haired boyfriend. Yeah. That's the guy. Oh, uh, Jurassic Park. But he could hit. He had a, oh, he, yeah, he had a good that. He had a good that. Hey, if I told you actual stories about athletes and how stupid they are, like, you, not only would it reinforce stereotypes, you would be shocked at some of the stupidity. Nah, I already know. <laughs> <laughs> but not all. Not all of them. No. Quarterbacks. Brady is one of the, not only one of the most intelligent people, but one of the most thoughtful people. He's going to be president one day. I would not be surprised. I don't even know his political stance, and he has my vote. Oh, he has all our votes. We don't right. care what, he could be like, I'm going to nuke Kansas. <laughs> You're like, vote for Brady, man! Yeah! Kansas has been pushing us around long enough. <laughs> I'm gonna take care of, I'm gonna turn Iraq into glass! Whatever, whatever, you have Super Bowl rings, I vote for you. <laughs> but Brady, I would. Funny part is, he's not even president of his own house. <laughs> right. uh, no, that's true. The story just came out a couple weeks ago. You had Giselle. What husband she is? His ass. What husband is? Giselle. He makes less money than his wife, yeah. so he can't really say anything. How <laughs> cool was that? Can I go please buy a car? I, I made a million dollar bonus. No. No, you still only made twelve million this year. I sell my used underwear for twelve million dollars. I think he's going to dump her in like 10 years. <laughs> so she's going to dump him. No, she'll be, she'll be old news by then. Doesn't matter. She's making more now than he'll make going forward. But she's a chick. And she's still making more money. Her her money's going to run out before his. Not if she's doing the right stuff. She it? makes like $40 million a year. I know she doesn't. Know. She makes fucking Judge Judy money. <laughs> And you add in a little bit that Tom kicks in, and I guess they're doing okay. Right. She's like, oh, you can buy that gold-plated handle for the toilet in the bathroom that I built. Speaking of bathrooms, there's a box. So you're saying he makes dollars on the toilet. Doug Llewellyn money? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Doug Llewellyn. If you have a problem, sell it here. I was trying to think of... Uh, Okay, judges. Really People's Court don't be well. Yeah, I watched that. Oh, okay, right. So I know the People's Court well. That divorce court. Somebody took my idea. Gay oh. divorce court. Yeah, they're already making it. Gay divorce court. Sorry, man. That that's only three states, right? No, the point was back when they first started talking about having gay marriage, I wanted the rights to gay divorce court TV. Because I know that would have been the funniest damn thing they would ever ever put on. Oh, uh, regular divorce court's pretty funny. It's not oh yeah, imagine it would have been. But your point is, did you go yeah, through? That it? would do well. Huh? Did you do it? Well, I I wrote the idea down. I expressed it to everybody. Yeah. Other than that, it's one of those things that you're not the only person to think of it. Oh so. yeah. It's like when I have yes, this idea. Yes, they go through. Oh no no no! It was just the idea that. Of it. Yeah, that's that, a pretty good one. Yeah. You know? Oh, I, could just, you did. I could just see how the show would go now. That would be a, a lap riot every five seconds. So, social media question for you. Yep. Just got a phone request from an older gentleman. We only have one mutual friend, but he, like, he looks mutual safe. Mutual fund? Friend. Oh. He looks pretty safe. Do I accept it? No. No. Wait, his nickname is Shifty? Yes. I don't know if that's... 
I would trust the ship. That makes a difference. Oh, he's, a, he's a FedEx pilot. You win. Welcome to my Facebook, Greg. Glad we are friends. Cool. Yeah, Facebook's a funny thing. You know, like... They only go on, like, once a month. They got people like me on there. You got yeah, to be careful. But the, but the thing is, like, I get this people that let anyone in. You know, I get a lot of friend Anybody requests. Anybody else need a recharge? No, I'm good. My, on my personal page, and, you know, like, my personal page is just pictures of my daughter. Right, but people, like, they want to have that connection. With I know, and I'm like, but my, my public page has got all paranormal stuff. Right, it's got more interesting stuff. You're boring than your personal page. Totally boring. But, I don't know. You know, is there anything else out there where... People who are fans are that connected to the people who they are fans Juice. of. Yeah. No, it, that's the thing about social media. It's made it's it's blurred the line between you know in, in kind of all facets of everything. Bands, you know, actors, all of it. But this is the only thing. Like, it, all right, you know, you and I play guitar, but we don't think we're Eddie Van Halen. Well, and we don't think we're on the same level as Eddie Van Halen. Well, but. Somebody who just watches ghost shows and goes out and does that on the weekends feels like they are colleagues with the people they see on television. Right. And, and colleagues with Eddie Van Halen. <laughs> exactly. Hey, we both play guitar, man. Let me go on tour. With I'm also hot for teacher. <laughs> I'm right there with you, bro. I don't think your son sucks. No, oh. I'm just kidding. I do. Sorry, Wolfie. Bring back Michael Anthony. Yeah, what happened to that dude? Oh, he still hangs out with Sammy Hagar. I was going to say, I thought he was still doing, like, top of thing with Sammy. They had a band, Chicken Foot, and then I guess Sammy was just performing, and Michael Anthony showed up. That's the thing, man. We're old. We don't go to concerts anymore. No. Which is funny, because the only people who go to concerts are old people and 14-year-old kids. We can't afford it. No, I the can't. The time or the money. 300 bucks to see the Eagles? I'll really? I'll stay home and put on the Eagles CD. The Hell Freezes Over Yet Again tour? <laughs> I actually saw them last summer, and they were phenomenal. I'm sure. You don't do any job that long and not get sort of good at it. Right. Well, it helps, too, when you're Don Henley and you're one of the best singers of all time ever. But. Mick Jagger. That would be. That's. Did, did, I, did I make the dice point earlier? The dice play point? I don't think I did. I once saw an interview with Andrew Dice Clay where he said, they asked him why, you know, he's basically semi-retired from comedy. And he said, I could have made plenty of money the rest of my life going out and doing all, all those nursery rhymes. I could have sold out arenas every night doing all those nursery rhymes. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to just keep going out there and perform my greatest hits because I'm not, it's not the type of medium where you should just be going out and performing your greatest hits. You know, you have to change and evolve. You can't just be a band and, result, and, and uh, revolve your set around the same ten songs. Sure. And so that's kind of like what it is with a lot of people in the paranormal, you know? You can have the most profound experience at, you know, Lizzie Borden's that you ever have, but how much fuel can you get out of going everywhere and talking about that? You have to go out and build upon that and have that mean something. Yeah, you're totally right. Or at least, you know, evolve the message. Like, what, 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 do, you, what do you think about it, you know? Look at the same experience with a different set of eyes. Yeah. Yep. Too many people just try to ride that one thing over and over. Tony, you've been doing this for like 100 years. <laughs> Have you changed what you believe about things from the beginning? Yes. 
or have you just reinforced? You, know, you, you have you no, had a, well, certain things have changed. Other things have been reinforced. Both actually. What has changed for me is what I think these things are. What has been reinforced for me is that there really is something there. I can't say definitively what it is, but I definitely know that there is something there. Um, and that's I'm talking about all things, not just right. ghosts. I'm talking about you. That's the basis of the reports. Well, cryptids we know biologically they can be put into, but uh, as far as we're dealing with ghosts and uh, ET and other things like that, there's definitely something going on. I think it'll be a while yet before we're able to fully label what they are and get a better understanding because we we are just now getting a serious look into all of these areas because it's become less less stigma attached to doing so. I think social media actually does have a lot to play in that role because a lot of these people are sharing things on personal sites as well, not just the shows and things like that. Hey, I got this. I saw that. I, you know, and you can't help but look into who the person is that's reporting this. You know, you're like, well, let me just check out their personal page, see who they are, get a sense of, you know, if they're nuts or not. So you're you're becoming even more layers connected if you just heard the story. So yeah, I ha- I have had some changes, and I've had, like I said, things reinforced. We've had one debate, you and I, on the air, one disagreement on the air in almost ten years of doing the show. And the only thing that we've ever really disagreed on is the basis of alien reports. Okay. We had that one, and it's come up a couple times, but there was one episode in particular where I said that, you know, aliens are today's boogeymen. They're today's fairies. They're today's whatever creature exists outside of what we understand. And you were of more of a hardline approach of they are beings from somewhere else. Yes. Still doesn't change the fact that they could be misrepresented in history of, from the past. Right. Yeah. You're, basically, we're, we're, we're preaching the same point, but you're looking at it from one perspective, not looking at it from the other. I think that today's aliens are yesterday's fairies, and you think yesterday's fairies you know, were today's aliens. Correct. That's the only thing that we've ever really kind of not seen that, or at least not Agree to disagree. We, we, no, we have a different vantage point of viewing right. the subject. Yes. Um, there's definitely stuff out there. I mean, if all we got to do is look up and we can see Which, literally. By the way, if a, if a UFO lands here right now, when you run that clip on 30 odd miniature foot courtesy of Spooky South. Okay. Okay. That'd be awesome. If we got abducted right now, we could just keep doing the podcast. Oh, really? There. You think so, huh? You know what would be. The best part about it, we totally smoked Brody's downloads. <laughs> How'd that go, Rob? Uh, I might have stubbed my toe a little bit. <laughs> Better that you stubbed yeah, on right. it. Stubbed than, uh, uh, we all take turns poking the fire. The fire. The original cable TV, right? Welcome to the Burning Ember Show. I wonder if Spooky TV, Spooky TV's chat remember came back up. I don't know if Costa decided to give up on it. Oh, we only have eight minutes left. Eight minutes of what? Well, yeah. if we did the full two-hour show, which okay. we didn't have to, but... I can tell you that uh, Dark Matter Radio Network appreciates the fact that we go the entire two hours. 
because it screws up the time slots and we only go like 45 minutes. You're welcome, Dark Matter Radio. All right. Yes. Thank well, you, Keith. Thank yeah, you, Art, baby. And thank you, Art Bell, for allowing us to be on your network. And apparently Ustream is hammering them with commercials. You know, I notice a lot more Ustream commercials. We all need to download ad blockers in our web browsers. Ustream is a place you can use on the show, right? That's what we use, yeah. We've tried a bunch of different services, but that's what we settled on. Tim, in the years you've been doing Spooky South Coast, how have you seen, you know, the broadcast process evolve? It's become so much harder. I mean, well, I guess it's been harder for us because we've tried to stay innovative. Um, The first episode that we ever did... We wanted to podcast, and we've been working on that. People think that we just went inside doing the show, but we actually, I got the show in like September or October or November or something, and it wasn't until January that we went on the air. So we had a, you know, a bunch of months where we kind of worked it all out, but we never really did a dry run, which you're supposed to do, but we never really did. We knew that we could use this this box that was in there for podcasting, and when we got there the first show, it was going to somebody take it home. So I'm you know, using one of my digital tape recorders to record the first show. So, but we knew right then that, like, that was the important technology to have, the podcast. Ten people were going to listen to us on Saturday Night Live, but 10,000 people would listen to us on the internet. Right. So that's why we knew right from the start, we knew what we were getting into with that. Everything that's happened after that has been just such a challenge to stay on top of. You know, while some shows broadcast video, well, then we have to broadcast video. Right. You know, some shows have live investigations, well, then we need to have a live investigation. You know, we've tried to show that we're still thinking forward and not just complacent, but it's been hard. I mean, we, we had to use crowdfunding to buy that laptop. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just so we can get someone that was good enough to, to broadcast it. Do we have to do that stuff? No. But we do it because we want to give the audience kind of the, the most access that we can. Yeah. No, that's the thing. You know, like you said, the... The walls have been broken down between fan and provider. And yeah. Well, I also find that by doing it this way, we're more accountable. It was great in the old days when we didn't have cameras, and if we thought a guest was nuts, we could be like, to each other and kind of express things visually. Now we can't do that. You know, Now we have to be on in two different meetings. Yeah, now we pass notes or send text or email. Right, Facebook Messenger is huge for that, <laughs> which sucks because we keep getting. By the way, we keep getting all kinds of uh, like angry notes from people about how like we're all on our phones and shit during the show. Like you're not yeah. paying attention. No, we are. The show. It's like not all of us have computers in front of us. We can look things up. Some people are looking things up on their phones. You know. Crazy But we need to be more. We need to at least give the illusion that we're not on our phones all the time. It makes me wonder. I know Tim, you've got a you got a young son, and I've got a young daughter, no. and I wonder if there's going to be like a, a revolt, you know, against these phones. You know, that these kids will have been raised where the phone was competition for their attention, where mom and dad might have been burying the phone instead of paying attention to them. When they're teenagers, do you think they're going to pull out the smartphones and you know use them? Or are they going to be like, I don't want that thing. That thing's stupid. You know, I, I don't know. Need- I think that there's enough of a, there's still enough of a social status and a, and a there's still enough of a reward in having one to be able to really judge that. I think, like my son, if I am working at home in my home office and I don't really spend all that much time with him, even though he's two rooms away, he'll start sending me messages on Skype. Right. 
you know, like, hey, what's going on? And we'll, like, just, like, kind of use the little picture, what do they call the emojis or whatever? We'll just use those back and forth for, like, ten minutes. You know, so I think in some ways it's become such an integral part of how people connect that I think that they could really revolt against it. Uh, they might, they, you know, they might come out and be like, well, I think it's rude to do something when you're sitting with another person. But I don't think they'll ever cut the cord completely. Yeah. It's be interesting. People using those phones for ghost hunting and taking ghost pictures. and The question for you is going to be, and I, I don't know, like, what your daughter has for her, uh, you know, technological use, but... I bought my son a laptop last Christmas, and that's like one of those decisions where, like, did we make the right move? You know, was he old enough for it? Because he's kind of buried in it a lot, but we realize that part of it is we just have to accept that. You know, if he wasn't buried in the computer, what else would he be doing? He'd be watching TV or doing this, you know? Is that how he's gaining his perspective on the world the same way we thought we would? Yeah. You know, we want to say, hey, we want you to read a book, you know, we want you to, to see this documentary, but maybe... His perception to get back to that word is going to be different than what ours is. Does he talk to you about ghosts, your son? We have had conversations about it. Uh, he was very open to the possibility at a younger age because I think part of it was because we talked. I talked about it like it was normal. Uh, but then he had a personal experience. And instead of being like us, where it drags us more toward it, he shut down toward it. Hmm. He was not happy with that experience and so now we don't talk about it as much. But someday we will have the discussion a little bit further. I, I will tell you this, you know, not that I really talk about my personal business too, too much, but I've noticed that over the last, like, month, every time I wake up, all the all the lights in the house are turned on. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why he's getting up and doing that. There's something that's bothering him about it, but I haven't kind of figured out how I want to approach it yet because you can't be like, when you're like that, you can't be like other parents. It's like, there's no right. such thing as ghosts, go back to bed. Right. Because then if you say that, then they look at you as being a disingenuous person one way or the other. You're either lying to them, or you're lying to the readers, or to the viewers, or to the listeners. Sure. Yeah, no, my, my, uh, my daughter's... <laughs> she said, you know, teacher's like, there's no such thing as ghosts, and my daughter's hand goes up, that's not true. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we've talked about it. And, and it, that's one of the things I struggle with, because I want her to feel safe and secure. Right. I mean, that's important. Um, but I also wanted to know, I do believe in this stuff and I know not everyone does and I might get ridiculed for that and I'm okay with that. And I want her to be okay with that. My perspective on it is, as I told them, there's something happening that is what people call a ghost. It doesn't mean that it's dead people. It doesn't mean that it can do any kind of harm to you. It's just some type of phenomenon that we don't understand and ghost is the name that we gave it. And if we can come to it and understand it, then... That's going to be, you know, a big step in eliminating that fear. Sure. But I think he, I mean, he's, we're pretty lucky that he's a little bit different. Like, he, he's able to kind of see bigger pictures of things even at that age. Like, he loves uh, the, the, the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods. He loves reading about all that stuff. And then he's able to kind of put them together and be like, well, this Egyptian god is the same as this Greek god, so they're kind of the same thing. And what's the reason why people believe there had to be a god in charge of that? You know, so I think that he's able to kind of understand the higher concept of, of ghosts yeah, right. more than a lot of people can. But yeah, it still doesn't let him sleep at night with all the lights off. That's the trick, isn't it? Yeah. Shit, Moniz is a hundred. He still has to turn the lights on. Yep. That's only those so that you can see the toilet when you get up to pee. Pretty much. You don't have the same aim. 
Good stuff. Cool campfire. I feel like my voice is going. Your voice is going? Where to? I don't know. Somewhere else. It's late. We've been oh, yeah, we, we hit the Show midnight up. mark. Yeah. Well, I think we started a little bit after 10, but still, it's close enough for government work. Yay. Is it a good radio show? I don't we, know. We did. Wait, hold on. It's not officially over until I say, all right, well, that does it for this week's edition of Spooky South Coast. Next week, we'll be 100% more sober. And the conversation, uh, <laughs> the conversation will uh, be just as intriguing, we hope. So until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Rob, for Jeff, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular. Spooky. Okay.